Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast that helps you love your Bible better. I'm Rev. Dr. Rachel Wren, Lutheran pastor teaching biblical studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. And I'm Tim McNinch, a PhD candidate at Emory University. So we've been dwelling in the book of Acts for the past five weeks, which um, may seem strange for a Hebrew Bible podcast, but then again, we're kind of strange people. 100% strange people. (laughs) And the lectionary decides every year to forego the Hebrew Bible first reading in favor of Acts during the season of Easter. So this year, we're looking at the biblical roots of Acts. Where are there Old Testament resonances in the Acts reading? What concepts, people, places, ideas from the Hebrew Bible help us in our understanding and to preach the Acts lesson? Rachel's up to tackle some of those questions this week, looking at Acts 11, 1 to 18. All right, Rach, where do you want to start? Well, we're going to start in Leviticus. Oh, okay then. (laughs) (laughs) So this is one of those passages that we get every few years that is preached on and is often used by folks to talk about how we as Christians should understand the Old Testament. So for example, the sheet comes down in this story. It's got a number of animals upon it that uh, the Jews are not supposed to eat because of Levitical food laws. Mm-hmm. And and Peter hears a voice saying, I have made all things clean. Go ahead and eat them. When I've been in discussions with folks about why we choose to privilege some biblical texts over the other, and uh, the Old Testament comes up, this story will often be cited as, well, Jesus said, you're nodding your head, Tim, you've had those conversations before. (laughs) Yeah. New Testament takes care of all that stuff in the Old Testament. Don't need any of that anymore. We don't need any of it anymore. Exactly. I want to problematize that today. I think there is something incredibly powerful happening in this Acts text, but I don't think it's that Jesus and the Spirit are saying you don't have to read or listen to or worry about the Old Testament anymore. We've replaced it. That gets a hearty no from me, as again, none of my students would be shocked by. (laughs) Nor I. But I think to really kind of get at what is happening here, we do have to go back to Leviticus. Because Leviticus is where these food laws come from. And Leviticus is, I think, one of the most misunderstood books of the Hebrew Bible, perhaps of the whole Bible itself. We had a really long conversation about Leviticus in my introduction to Old Testament class last semester, specifically about what it means to be holy in this book. And that holiness piece is, I think, at the core of what's going on here. So before I get to what it means to be holy in Leviticus, let's just talk a real quick minute about what Leviticus is. Leviticus essentially is the book that establishes how God's people, now that they've left Egypt, how God's people shall become a holy people. I don't know if you're into comic books at all, Tim, or any of our listeners, but I have students who are into comic books, and (laughs) they tell me, Naomi in particular, if you're listening, tells me that this is what one would call a world-making moment for the rest of the Bible. Hmm. Uh, This is the, the holiness as established in Leviticus is essential for understanding the world that the rest of the Bible comes out of. Um, 
And that sounds kind of strange because we don't talk about holiness as much today, but we still have it in, in hymns. I don't know if in the, in your tradition, you know, the hymn, take my life that I may be. Yeah. Yeah. Take my life that I may be consecrated Lord to thee, especially the take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. It's this concept of everything that we are as creatures becomes different mm. when we are in relationship with God. And that difference is captured by this word holiness. So are you tracking with me yeah, here? I'm doing yeah. a lot of talking about Leviticus, but you're rolling with me still? Yeah, still with you. Okay. Let's talk then about what this holiness means in Leviticus. When we talk about holiness today and we talk about like some people are holy and some people are not does it typically have a positive connotation for you, Tim, or do you typically hear it in a more negative connotation? <laughs> well, we've got sort of like the um, holier than thou sort of attitude, yeah, right? So, right. Hol- people who think they're holy, I usually conclude right away that they aren't. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, so the word holiness has taken on an exclusive negative tone in our world today. That's not really what's going on in Leviticus. Holiness, one might think of holiness, especially this idea of sacredness, as divine radioactivity. Hmm. So there's this really strange story in Leviticus about Aaron's sons who become high priests, and they're supposed to give offering a certain way, and they do it the wrong way. And what happens is they're struck dead by divine power. And every time I read that with students, they're like, that's awful. That's unjust. (laughs) That's not fair. They made a mistake. Why would God do that? What that story shows is not that God is inherently wrathful in Leviticus, but that raw divine holiness is sort of like radioactivity. Mm -hmm. Or you could think of it as kind of like Mentos and Coke, (laughs) that if you put them together in the wrong way, it's going to cause an explosion. Yeah. And yeah. thankfully for my son, Charlie, who adores that experiment, nobody gets hurt in that scenario. But when you're talking about Coca-Cola that is divine raw power and you throw Mentos at it, somebody is going to get hurt at that moment. There's a way that that divine raw power is dangerous for humans and it needs to be stewarded. They need to to take careful measures to become holy to allow them to come near that divine raw power. And they go through all sorts of ways that they do that, one of which is managing what they eat. Okay, so now I'm back at Acts. (laughs) Okay, you made it there. (laughs) Here's what my claim is. In this text, it's not that the voice that speaks about the food is saying, you can do away with the Old Testament. You don't have to worry about that anymore. It's not even necessarily saying that holiness itself has changed. It's saying that after Jesus, humanity, at least Jesus's followers, themselves have changed. Why? Mm. Because of Pentecost. Because they have poured out on them what? The Holy Spirit. They become imbued with a spirit of holiness, which is just as contagious as uncleanness. Hmm. There's actually this this really beautiful line in um, Leviticus 6, verse 11. It says, Every male among the descendants of Aaron shall eat of the offering as their perpetual due throughout the generations from the Lord's offering by fire. Anything that touches them shall become holy. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. 
That's in Leviticus, right? Holiness as contagious, holiness as something that can be caught. And I think what this story is teaching Peter is that, dude, you've got that in you now. You you are now the receptacle, the carrier, the steward of holiness in such a way that holiness is contagious from you. And what a way to think about us as Jesus's followers, that we are, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit at baptism or whatever your tradition marks that moment, you become contagious with holiness. Hmm. It's not that the Old Testament needs to be thrown out. It's that we, as receptacles of the Holy Spirit, can make things holy now by our touch and our presence and our relationship to them. Oh, that's really interesting. The holiness that comes through Jesus and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is something that can spread wherever. Yeah, right. And that that perhaps is part of the impetus behind this message to Peter to go ahead and let this contagion out even among even among the Gentiles. Yeah, right. I mean, it's funny, right? After two years of worrying about being contagious with COVID (laughs) to preach a sermon about being contagious with the Holy Spirit or contagious with holiness. Maybe that wouldn't work in your congregation, folks. So, you know, know your (laughs) setting. But I really do think that's what's happening here, that there is an there's an invitation to see ourselves as holy makers, (laughs) that because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we make holy through our relationships as well. And that's just that's just a really beautiful way to view the world, I think. Mm hmm. We become kind of transmission vectors for God's holiness. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what a creative way to to think about this text and to kind of rethink some of the assumptions that we might bring to it about Mm. how the New Testament relates to the Old Testament. Uh, This Mm. was a really productive approach. So thanks for your work on that, Rachel. Yeah. My pleasure. Okay, friends. That's going to do it this week for First Reading. To learn more about our hosts and guests, visit us at our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. You'll find there all of our episodes, and um, you know you can search back through pretty much every text in all three years of the Revised Common Lectionary. Um, you know we're still making our way through some of the Psalms and things like that. So you can also keep up with us on Facebook, and if you want to communicate with us, you can do it there in the comments on Facebook, or you can send us an email directly to firstreadingpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to all of our supporters, including Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University, who've given us a very kind grant. And thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Blessings on your week, folks. Weeks? Weeks? Blessing on your weeks? Folks is plural. Blessing on your weeks, folks. Nope. You had it right the first time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 